Welcome to the Digital Recruiter Podcast, the podcast where we share all the ins and outs of the recruiting industry, what it's like, all the crazy stories. I'm your host, Clark Wilcox, the founder of the Digital Recruiter and Digital Recruiter Talent Group. Uh, today, we have Travis Jenko, the CEO and, co and founder of GSD Consulting and Recruiting. His book, You of All People, just came out last week. Uh, you can find it everywhere books are sold. Amazon probably being the most popular one. Uh, Travis, thanks for being hey, here. Thanks for having me, Clark. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, congrats on, of course, it's always a pleasure. Uh, congrats on the book coming out number, you know, first and foremost. That's pretty exciting. And uh, I think it came out just, what, last Tuesday, right? Yeah, it's uh, the so first. Just about a week ago? That was officially, yeah. officially out on yeah. the first. August. On the first, nice. I'm halfway through. Uh, and it's great so far. I'm excited to kind of dive in and talk about kind of how that got created and the inspiration for it. You have a ton of gold in there um, that I definitely want to cover some of that uh, cool. today. But first and foremost, let's just talk about how you got, you know, your journey into getting into recruiting. What was that like? Yeah, yeah, cool. And, you know, again, I'm Travis Janko. The name of the company is GSD Coach and Recruiting. We help um, growing SaaS companies hire the top 5% of salespeople fast. And, you know, how we got to this, it, it's quite an interesting story. I was a sales leader for about 25 years, Clark. And the last 10 years of my career was in the SaaS startup space. And, you know, when I moved to my first startup, I realized that there wasn't always a person to do the thing for you. When in corporate, there usually is. Like corporate companies I worked for had large recruiting departments. Um, they could do what I needed. They could get me the people I needed. I was always a sales leader. Yeah. Uh, my first SaaS startup was a pretty small company, 35 people. Um, their goal was to go huge, go public, um, which we did. And I'll tell you the story. But to start off with, I was spending five hours a day interviewing people every single day that I didn't want to talk to and I didn't want to hire. And I wasn't with my team, but I had to interview them and I had to hire them because we had quotas to meet. And I went to the recruiting team no less than 10 times and told them, here's who I need. And they wouldn't get that person for me. They just wanted to get really cool culture fits. Um, so I decided to take matters into my own hands and I started doing research for months. I talked to some of the top recruiters in the country, um, everybody I knew who had done recruiting. So, you know, I was never trained in recruiting. I was never a recruiter for a company. Um, but after I taught myself, I figured it out and I figured out how to source candidates. So I started getting up at three every morning, sourcing for three hours, then going into work and fast forward from our 35 people. Three years later, we had 600 people in our building. Um, I personally sourced and recruited about 250 of those people. I was able to hit my quotas, hit my numbers, but I didn't get paid any extra. Um, so save the company a, a ton of money. I find out now. <laughs> so that's everyone doing the math in their head can't believe it but yeah, yes <laughs> um you know they i was making under 200 grand total you know as as in my in my role doing all of that but we were doing what we needed to do we ended up selling uh for 3.5 billion that was my first startup and so that hard work paid off really well i thought that was what startup life was like um turns out they're not all created equal um so my next startup that I went to, Clark, and this is a long story, but it's going to make sense. Um, it was a really small yeah. customer loyalty SaaS startup. They had three inbound salespeople, and that was it. And they their goal was to build an outbound department in Denver. So day one, I was the first employee in Denver. 
uh, building Ikea desks in the dark because the power was out, closing deals on my cell phone. Um, we hired three outside recruiting companies because I didn't have time. Like I was building the whole thing. And yeah. after a month, I fired all three of them. They were sending me tons and tons of unqualified candidates. It was, they were probably just posting ads all over the place and sending me resumes. And so I fired all of them and I went back to getting up at 3 a.m. And I sourced, so fast forward a year and a half later, we had about 150 people in the building and I sourced about 140 of those 150. Um, helped place them, got the, by the way, that one sold too for 350 million. I got a cup of coffee out of that deal, um, but still pretty awesome. And so then with my next startup, I started doing kind of a part-time consulting on the side where I was like the fractional VP of sales. I was going into small startups and helping them build their playbooks, process, procedures, all of that. And what would happen is I would get to the end and they would go, cool, we're ready. Can you help us find salespeople? And I would. And then one day I had the aha moment. I could probably charge for this. And that's that's where it all started, man. I, I stopped doing coaching and consulting and just started doing recruiting. And I, I figured it out, have a playbook and we're, we're literally placing 10 to 15 salespeople every, every month with one full-time employee. And that's always what's amazed me since the first time we spoke, I think in 2021, like you were kind of breaking down, you know, the model, the, some of the systems that you were using and that it was just you yep. full-time. And, <clears throat> and I said 10 to 15 people a month, right? You average, you know, you can, recruiters know kind of the average fee, probably somewhere in the 15 to 30% range, right? Just depending on clients and volume and everything else. Like you're doing those numbers. Like I think people on here can figure yeah. that out. Like that's, you're doing pretty well uh, full-time. That goes into, but you, you're full-time, but you also do a lot with partnerships. And I think that's what's really cool about, your background just in sales, everything that you did for these companies, now building your own recruiting company. Like, yeah, you're the full-time employee, but you're leveraging partnerships left and right. And we'll dive into kind of the split, you know, the partnership board that we're, we've been building out. But how, what made you, how'd you get going in partnerships in recruiting? Like, how'd that get started? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, you know, first off, partnerships are like, that's my business, Clark. That literally is my business. Every day yeah. I'm asked, you know, how many outbound phone calls do you make? How many outbound emails do you make? And I'm afraid to tell people because I don't want them to think it's easy, but think I don't. Think it's easy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I made a cold call, maybe four years ago. Um, probably sent a thousand cold emails in the last five years. Like that's it. Um, partnerships are everything. So what I did basically, Clark, was about four years ago, I stopped all of my outbound to potential clients and I just started to change that outbound campaign to go after potential partners. And so what a potential partner would be is somebody who works with my ICP. So kind of give everybody an idea of what I do. My, my niche who I work with are SaaS startups who are usually founder led organizations um, who are between, oh, I would say typically two and a half million to 10 million annual reoccurring revenue. That's kind of my niche. That's, that's the space. That's the sandbox I've played in for years. And I, I know yeah. how to speak with them. I know how to work with them. Also, I'm super impatient. And if I'm working with a founder, we can move to like, 
we can get the offer letter signed while I'm on the phone versus having to go to legal and all of the other departments. Also, most of them don't have recruiting departments, so I'm not competing with their internal team. I'm actually trying to help them. So some people on here understand exactly yeah. what that means. Um, but going to partnerships, um, I decided to start looking for companies who work with my ICP. So the first thing I did is I look for companies that do coaching. Maybe they coach the sales team, maybe they coach the, the founders and companies that do onboarding all specifically for salespeople. And it's easy to have those conversations. If I reach out and say, hey, I see that you guys do this, I do this. Would you like to have a conversation about a potential partnership? You know what they're gonna say? Yes, let's do it. Because yes. why wouldn't this? Um, and so I started doing that and I started being very selective. My first partnership, my big one that I built three and a half years ago, um, I'm on their website as their head of recruiting. I have their own email address and, and Slack and all of that as their head of recruiting. And, you know, they, they basically, they do onboarding services, they do coaching and training services, and they know all of my fees. So while they're pitching everything, if they see an opportunity, they literally pitch and close my services before I've even talked to them. And then they just, and they also take care of the agreements and collecting the money. Now, obviously they get a higher percentage than 10%, which is what most get. Um, so that's, that's one. My biggest partnership, um, I, I landed about a year and a half ago. Um, so I, I was working with this gentleman who was a partner he was like a fractional COO and he would go into companies and help them build the things out. Uh, he still has that company, but he referred a lot of his clients to me back and forth. I referred people to him. And then he became the COO of the largest SaaS founder training company in the world. And he reached out to me right after he started and said, we have a super hard role to fill. It's a director of sales. This is the pickiest company I've ever worked for in my life. And two weeks later, they made an offer. And ever since then, I've just really worked closely with them. And now I am their preferred go-to. I'm actually their exclusive partner for sales recruiting. Um, there's about 2000 clients that they have. And whenever, literally anytime that they're looking for somebody to sell, hire salespeople and shoot them to me. So I, Clark, I'd say that's one side of partnerships. Um, the other yeah. side is just as important. I mentioned I'm a one person full-time company. So it's me and then my wife, um, Angie, she is the chief of staff, but she also has her side hustle and she has a full-time job. So she spends like an hour, two hours a day. She's doing all the things that would slow me down. The books, the taxes, sending invoices. I like to do the fun, sexy stuff and not the, the boring stuff. And she loves yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're wondering, how do I place 10 to 15 people in sleep? And so the way I've done well, I know you don't sleep, yeah. so I'm not worried about that. Well, I do get up that. at 4 a.m. now instead of 3. Um, but I would say that the biggest thing that I've, I've figured out is partnering with other recruiting firms who are really good at filling roles I might not be really good at or who enjoy filling roles that I might not enjoy filling. Um, even though I work specifically yeah. with SaaS startups, that doesn't mean it's all of my clients because you know my clients are referrals. And so... I realized I, even if I were able to have 12 candidate meetings every single day for the rest of my life, I still couldn't place 15 people a month because there's too many moving parts. 
So yep. what I've done is I've built relationships with seven really, really good recruiting firms who do things that I normally don't. And then two that also um, are great in the sales. So if I'm overloaded. And so what I'll basically do is I'll just work split partnerships. Um, of the one, two, three, four, five, six, of the 19 recs I'm working right now, um, 10 of them are split partnerships. So I literally have 10 people who are working on those and I'm just basically, I'm, I'm just spinning the plates. I'm the project manager, which is what I enjoy. So I, that's a long way of rambling about partnerships, but I, I got to tell you, they're, they're the way to go. And, you know, you guys have just built something we've been talking about for over a year. You just built the, the rec split board. And what I think is unique about your business, I've been part of many of those and I, I've, canceled my membership with everyone. Um, what's unique about yours is two things that I think really makes me excited to be working with you guys on this project is one, you're vetting everybody. You're only letting people in that, you know, know how to do their shit. Like they know their stuff and they're going to do things the right way. Yeah. Um, I think that's really yeah. important. Even as important is they're all exclusive. So most rec boards, what happens is, I'm working to help somebody fill a role and so are 10 other recruiting companies. Um, and it yeah. causes all kinds of pain. Everybody listening to this, who's been a recruiter understands that pain. Um, you know, so that's, yes. that's what I love about it. it. It's, I love that you, you know, you bring that up. There is just about 10 minutes of gold there that we have to dig through now, but it's the, cause the partnerships and, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, we've had the digital recruiter you know, program and Travis has come in and spoken to the recruiters and owners in there. And they all love the one feedback. The feedback I get on the most watched video, I think, is your partnership video that you, that recording that call that we ran. And so because you just have it dialed in. And so, yeah, and talking to you for the last couple of years, like it always made sense. And I was like, okay, I, I see, you know, I had to kind of learn the market and l understand the split rec, you know, board market and the different sites that are out there. But that exclusive word, like you and I see, we're on the same page, like qualifying hard on the front end, you know, clients, yeah. recruiters, candidates, you know, if you can do that and not chase the quick buck and not chase the money of just like, but just focus on the vetting and the quality, the rest yeah. will come. Right. That's fine. But it's also, as you said, it's more fun. Like it's, and I'm with, I love project managing stuff and recruiting. Like it's, I absolutely love it. You know, seeing the pieces and bringing people together. I think we're, we're kindred spirits in that sense. Uh, and that is what's fun about this, right. In the beta testing mode that we're in right now. I mean, we got, I looked at the board, we got 10 great roles that there's a recruiter assigned to each one. There's no other competition, so the recruiter feels great yeah. about it. But at the same time, like they have to submit, they're gonna have to submit their numbers on what they done, what they did on that role each week, like each Friday. And I don't think I don't know if anyone else is doing that, but like that's what we're gonna do. And it's not gonna take you more yeah. than three minutes, but at least there's some transparency, right? There's some accountability, and we could we'll automate that. And then on the client side, and this is what's interesting is like we'll we'll push back if a rec isn't qualified or if you're not getting feedback, right? There's just kind of that standard. I think all the owners in there, yourself included, I mean, you just operate this way naturally, but like no one wants to be the weakest link. And I think that's, what's fun. Like we're doing that in a fun way, but where we all work really hard, like we're, we're trying to make things happen. We're trying to make, you know, the, the right way, but we're not afraid of clients and companies. 
right? And I think that's the key is you just, you have to, it takes some strategy and some work to figure out what you want to say and how to say it. And it takes reps because it does not go perfect. As you said, there are so many moving parts, right? But we're all kind of in agreement. Like, let's let's control what we can control and let's know what we can't. And instead of being like, well, I'm going to try to do everything or I'm going to be afraid of what I miss out on. It's like what you said, you know your niche, you know your sandbox that you do really well, which is why these partners are happy to refer you and vice versa, right? And there's something so powerful about having that clarity to the market. And it's kind of required to have strong partnerships, right? Like you have to know who you are and who you want to be and the problems you solve, I think, to be a good partner to anyone else. I agree. I agree. There's a few things you said that uh, I'll touch on. One thing is you talked about chasing. And I I use the term don't chase, replace. And what I mean by that is one of the trainings that I've done with you that you guys have recorded was about bringing on the perfect client and who you should. So the red light, yellow light, green lights. And I'm really picky and very, very selective about the clients I bring on. And the short version is if I wouldn't feel comfortable with any of my children working there, they're not a client. If I would feel comfortable with my children working there, but then they become abusive or things change, they're no longer a client. And I know a lot of people on here like, but I need clients. You don't. Because if you ha- if you bring on a client that you shouldn't bring on, you're just going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money and not get paid for it and be frustrated. And so That's yeah, like you need the, to be yeah. very selective about the clients you bring on. Um, and you need to be able to coach them. If they're not coachable, that's another thing. Um, the, yeah. the, the other thing that I would tell you um, about having a specific niche, you mentioned that. Um, You know, my niche, like I said, is I told you who the niche is, but here's the advantage to having a specific niche. A lot of recruiters, I ask them what their niche is and they're like, we do recruiting. I'm like, cool, for who? Whoever we can. Great, great, that's awesome. But let me tell you what's awesome for me doing the same thing with the same audience. Um, Last Thursday, I placed a role for a director of sales and I had four candidates in the pipeline that didn't make it to interview, but I had screened them. They were rock star. I got everything ready, but I just didn't have time to present them because I got someone else placed. On Monday and on Tuesday, I brought on two new clients looking for director of sales in the same, they're literally identical job descriptions. Like all three of them are the same job, basically working for different companies. And so now I have, um, one of those companies is interviewing two of those candidates and another one's interviewing two and I haven't started the search yet. So that's the advantage of so, working that niche. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, that is like how you draw it up. If you go any of the big firms, it's how they tell you how to recruit, right? Repeatable skill sets, have your network. And that was something we were going to touch on is just like how you're able to like fit all of this stuff in. And still have results, but I think you kind of just answered it. Like that's it. It's like have your niche, repeatable skill set. You can kind of mix and match, you know. So, and how does that affect your kind of client and candidate relationships when you have that, right? Because a lot of recruiters like, oh, I'll keep you in mind if anything comes up, or they'll tell their clients like, yeah, yeah, we'll have someone in a week. What happens? Like, what does that? Like, how do your clients and candidates react when they're like, wow, you have something for me in an hour? Right. Or you had something new for me in another day. Talk about that. Like, what's that? 
customer service kind of like feedback. Like well, and, and I'm transparent. I, I tell all clients and all candidates my numbers and I tell them how I work. I'm very, very transparent. So with my clients, I tell them I'm a trusted advisor, but it's a two-way street. Like I can help you. I've placed over 500 people as a VP of sales. I've placed thousands of people owning my recruiting industry. I know what I'm doing, but you have to be coachable. You have to work with me. Like I have a process. Let me share it with yeah. you. You don't need a three-week interview process. You don't need 13 steps. Um, once we get that broke down, then I tell them two numbers that are important. One is 3.1. What that means is I'm averaging 3.1 candidate submissions per hire. That means my clients don't have to do all the hard work. I'm doing the heavy lifting. I'm talking to six or seven people before they see one. Um, poss- if it's new, most likely I'm going to give them somebody I've already talked to. You know, so that's one advantage. The other number is um, 19. And what 19 is, is we're averaging 19 days from the time they sign an agreement to the time an offer letter signed, where industry standard is is about 39, I think. Um, and this is even for okay. VP of sales roles. Yeah. And, and so the way it works is I tell, I get a candidate on the phone, Clark. Sorry, I get passionate about this stuff, man. We, you know, we can talk for hours. I love um, it. I love it. I get it. a candidate on the phone. And it's the same thing. Um, hey, Clark, thanks for taking the time. Chit chat, warm up, whatever, you know, whatever we talk about. Before we get started, I know we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z role, but I want to let you know I'm typically juggling 10 to 15 clients at a time. I'd love to talk to you about this role because on paper you look like a great fit. But if it doesn't seem like a fit, let's see if I have something else. And you see the candidates, they're like this. <sighs> Finally. Because yeah. what they're used to is you got to interview. Let's get you an interview. It's perfect. It's perfect. I know you don't know the commission or any of that kind of stuff, but you got to go. And and I don't work that way. Like it's a puzzle, man. It's really a puzzle. And then I also tell them, um, every one of my candidates, we fill out a candidate profile. I'm giving them homework, but I'm having them fill out a specific candidate profile. As you know, it has an 87% acceptance rate. That means 87% of the candidates I send to a client get an interview. That can't guarantee they're going to bomb the interview, but they're going to get one. And I'm only sending the right people. But the so how they react is I tell them, you're a great fit for this role. I'm going to get you an interview. Once you get that over, it's exclusive, means you'll be one of two, three, four, five total people. But I'm going to keep my eyes open just in case something else comes up if this one doesn't work out. And so I don't like sending multiple candidates to multiple clients for a lot of reasons. Um, I know a lot of people on here do, but again, my largest partnership is where most of these people come from and these clients talk to each other. And I really don't want three of those clients say, oh, we all interviewed the same person. That would be a really bad situation. But I can tell a candidate, hey, yesterday I just brought on a new thing. And since those people said no, or because of this, I have something for you. And I've literally, it's, it's a story that baffles me to this day, but I had a a VP of sales, like great guy. I had placed so many people with him over the years and he reached out and he said, Hey, Travis, we need to talk. So I'm thinking cool Morex. And he he said, yeah, we just got acquired. My position's eliminated. Can you help me? And I didn't need to spend a lot of time talking to him. I know the guy, like I know all the people I placed with him who love him. I didn't have a thing and I told him I don't have a thing, but maybe I will. Literally an hour later, one of my clients called up and said, Hey, we got, we have a problem. 
our VP of sales just resigned. She's opening up her own SaaS company. And like literally we're going to the investment board, like our investors to get more money in two months. I need your help. And I pulled up the profile on LinkedIn and I'm like, this is the person. She literally said, don't get me a resume. Don't fill that thing out. Get me on the phone with him today. And three, day, three yeah. days later, he went through one interview that day, two the next day, two more days. He was on site and he accepted an offer, literally like that. And so sometimes it's just about timing and being lucky. And also it's about building those relationships. But you create your own yep. luck. And that's where for everyone listening that might be like, how do I get there and get to Travis's level? I mean, it's all the work that you've done on the front end. And we talk about, I mean, we were joking, you know, wake up at three, now you wake up at four, but like you put in the work every single day, right? For years. And like, that's, I think sometimes, you know, I call the 2020, the, you know, the era, the boom of the, the COVID recruiters, right? Where it's like, oh, I get to work remote and make some placements and some calls and everything's $30,000 fees. It's like, that's not reality. And a lot of people are learning that in 2023, oh, yeah. that that's not how real recruiting is. And so often I tell people you have to do the work, right? Like I have a, a, you know, I think people come to me at times like thinking I have the magic fix to everything. I'm like, there is no magic. If you're not working hard, there's nothing I can do to fix like maybe like what's ailing you or to, like you have to, we can work on like what works, but you got to go yeah. do it. And like, that's the key. Like you put in the work, but it was all like an intentional strategy, right? With the niche, you're on the phone with your market multiple times a day, you have some systems and a form, a process that you've been able to take a step back. And I know you've done this at certain times in your business to kind of take a step back, you know, for a month or two and be like, okay, what's working? How do I fix the system and have like 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if you get that involved, it's just going to make your day to day quicker and faster. And like these stories happen for a reason. They don't like the quick wins are, that's a long time to get a quick win. Like, it, it, like that's what's really cool. I hope that's the takeaway people have is like, if you put in the work with the right strategy, like it will pay off. And that's how these Absolutely. moments that, happen, right? It's like, we got an offer in three days. That or quick win was a two and a half year quick win. I mean, I literally worked with yes. those people for two and a half years before that quick win. Yeah. For, yeah. With that. Yeah. With both, with mm -hmm. both sides. Right. So like just being in the game, being patient, like doing the right things every day. And, you know, you got to do things to make sure the bills are paid. Right. And you talk about that in your book, like when, you know, COVID hit and the pandemic and all that, like, what can I do? Well, you just like you got on the phones, you did what you do. You talked to people, you figured out a way that you can create an income and kind of built this business. Right. Like that was a pretty cool. That's like I, I love that story that you have. And like you just like, how do I turn this into a win? Like, what do I need to do? You know, and how do I offer value? I think mean, that's what you do a ton of. Like you've talked to me and people in my program, like you just, just because you, you're willing to, I don't know how you have time for it, uh, but you do. But I think there's been some payoff there. Um, I, I'd love to kind of get your perspective on that. Kind of like when the chips are down, like how do you, how have you approached that? Right. And kind of, you wrote, you wrote about that in the book yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, what, what's your recommendation for people that might be kind of hitting a wall right now, kind of like how to climb out of it. In First recruiting? thing, not just in recruiting in any business is you should have a goal and a model and you should, you should be doing something for a reason that you're passionate about. I think first off and yeah. second off, you need to follow that. Like you shouldn't be working because 
I have to work harder this month because I didn't make enough placements last month. And you shouldn't change the way that you treat or react to people because you're making more or less money. It should just be what you do. Um, I've always been that person yes. that gives more than I take, but it always comes back around, right? That's we're on this podcast today, you know? And so it, it always yeah. comes back around, but I think you, there, there's a lot to it. The, the biggest thing is the way I look at it is when I decided to own my own business and I decided to make it a, a recruiting, well, you'll read in the book, you, you guys should read it, um, how it changed a lot. But one of the things I thought about is, wouldn't it be cool if I could talk to people that I want to talk to on a daily basis? And wouldn't it be cool if I could help a lot of people? And so that's that's how I look at it. I don't look at it, how much am I making? Now, my wife can tell you how much we have in our bank account. And she can tell you how many yeah. how many uh, invoices we have sitting out there right now. And I suppose if I wanted to, I could tell you that. But I just know it happens. Like it's coming through. I know we're I know we're, <laughs> we're going to hit you know in the seven figures again this year. I I know that. Um, but I'm not focused on that because if I focus on that, just like telling salespeople, if you're thinking about a sale, you won't get one. And so I you, you need exactly. to focus on just doing the right thing every day and. Sometimes you're chipping away at the rock and nothing happens. And then sometimes the rock breaks, right? But it's not that yeah, it, it's, it's not the first hit. It's not the hundred and first hit. It's just all of them that does it. It's just, yeah, it's just who you are in business, right? It's just being that way. As you said, there's so many ups and downs and you can easily, it could be an emotional roller coaster if you let it in terms of recruiting and just business in general and sales. So it's like, you know, what are the things you're bringing to the table every day? Like I always tell people my three C's are I got to connect with people every day. I got to call people every day and I got to be posting content every day. If like if I do those three things, I know I'm going to move in the right direction, whether, you know, someone signs up or doesn't sign up. Like if I just keep doing those things, like that's just like my true north yeah. and like good things happen. Uh, he said, that's how this podcast got started, right? This is an excuse for me to check off call every single day that I, that I record one of these. And, but it's, and it's like, that's what drives them. You got to know what's going to move the needle for you and yeah. your business and just stay, stay with it. And people, yeah, people feed off and, of that. And I would say like, yeah. you kind of walk through your key to success, the, the three C's, you know, I, I look at the key to success in recruiting. There's a ton of them, but I, I would say there's probably four to five things that I know that I have to do every day. Um, first and foremost, above anything else is process. Like process is king. You have to have a process. You have to follow the process and you have to stick with it. Even if you have a bad week or two, you shouldn't change it. Now you can tweak it and make it better along the way, but yes. everything is process. Number two, communication. Um, it's super, super important to have good communication with your clients, with your candidates, with your partners. There's a lot of moving plates here. You need to communicate properly. And also you need to train everybody you work with how to communicate properly. Um, the next one would be speed. You have to, be, this market is crazy. You have to move super, super, super fast without compromising process. And yeah. you also need to know how to multitask with a purpose, um, which we can kind of talk about. And, um, yeah, what do you mean by that? The, yeah. the one other thing um, on top of this is yeah. knowing how and when to set boundaries. Um, and, and so I think I'll, I'll speak to both of those. The um, multitasking with a purpose. 
what I, what I mean by that is some people want to make sure they're always doing something and they're always busy. They feel like if I'm busy, my business is succeeding. That's not really true. Um, you need to be doing yeah. the work that is most important, but you also need to not burn yourself out. So I, when I had two full-time jobs, one was building my business as one was a VP of sales. I had two really full-time jobs. Like I didn't sleep. Um, you know, I get up at 4 a.m. every day, but that's not because of work. I, yeah. Like we literally haven't used an alarm clock in 15 years. We get up at 4 a.m. every day. It's just what we do, but we also are not night owls. I, I did that in my earlier years. I got that out of the way. Um, but this is going to shock the shit out of people on this call. I don't take my first call until 9am and I don't take my, any calls after 2pm. Like you, if you look at my calendar, you cannot book before 9am and you cannot book after 2pm. And when my phone rings as everybody on this call phone tonight between six and nine, it's going to ring at least three times that's going to be candidates and clients. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to respond tomorrow morning. I'm setting boundaries. Yeah. After I shut down shop at four, I've shut down shop. I, I don't care if it's an emergency or a fire. I have, I'm married. I have a life to live and I want to enjoy my life. So I figured out yeah. a way to double my business and work less hours. And part of that is setting boundaries when you schedule meetings. The other one, game changer, pro tip, blocking your time. So here's what a day in the life used to look like. You will get this, Clark. So a day in the life used to look like 7 a.m. I'm on my first call with a, with a candidate who, by the way, isn't even close to being qualified, but they reached out to me on LinkedIn. They just got laid off and they really need help. So I'll take every call. Why not? This is what it used to look like, by yep. the way. Um, that meeting runs late now at 7.31 and I'm a late one minute for a potential client. I get on the phone with the potential client. We run over five minutes and I jump to a partnership. And then I'm talking to an SDR. Then I'm talking to a VP of sales. It's a freaking mess. And then at six at night, I'm trying to remember what happened and I'm trying to put everything, all the pieces together. So a couple things that I do, every meeting is on the hour. So I have 30 minute meetings with candidates. I have 45 minute meetings with partners or clients. They all start on the hour. Nothing starts on the half hour. That's one thing. The next thing is I block my time. So on Mondays are mostly partnership meetings and client meetings. If I have openings, I'll throw a candidate meeting in there, but otherwise I'm doing that all day because I'm having the same two conversations all day. Tuesday and Thursday are just yeah. candidate meetings unless I need to put something in. And I try to block the candidate meetings by specific type of companies. So as an example, um, tomorrow I am going to be talking to, well, at, yeah, it, anyway, um, I block it out. So I'm talking to one day, mostly my director and VP roles. And the next day, if I have SDR roles or account exec roles, I'm talking to them because it's the same conversation. You're talking to the same person. Um, I'm also trying yeah. to br only bring on roles that are cool where I can talk to cool people. I don't like talking to boring people, man. Life's too short. Um, you know, so, <laughs> so have fun with it. But I, I think block your time, protect your time. Own the day. Don't let the day yeah. own you. Own your company. Don't let the company own you. 
Um, you know, this is a shocker when I, you know, this, when I go on vacation, like I'm not taking calls and we're going to Kauai for 10 days and you would think my business would be shut down for 10 days, but actually my business will do better because I shut down for 10 days. Now, it's crazy how that still works. checking emails, you know, yeah. things like that. But I have partners yeah. that can handle the things, you know, so it just keeps yeah. going. That's, that's so smart. And I love it. It's, it's such a cool story for people to hear and just know that it is possible. And I'm, I'm with you. I block out my calls are 11 to four Tuesdays through Thursdays. That's when I do calls like Monday and Friday is team calls, working on the business, like all that stuff. And if I have to throw in something, sure. Um, you know, the only thing I have, the only other one I have on Mondays is a, uh, you know, one of the agencies that we partner with that, you know, I, I have the weekly meeting with them. I, they're the one exception, right? Everyone else fits into the Tuesday through Thursday uh, bucket. And it's been so yeah. nice. It's been really nice to have. And, you know, now that I got, you know, almost like a three month old, you know, I get to spend the morning with him and then, you know, handle that and then get, you know, meet with my team and then go into calls and, you know, having that Monday to Friday buffer, nice? it's really nice, right? It's just really nice because we got three different things we're managing. We get the split rec board, our own agency, but then a digital recruiter, like the consulting and that program and that master agency owner mastermind. So it's just, you're like, you're right. Like I feel more productive and I am more productive now. The business does better now when I had that schedule versus when I was just Monday through Friday, everything was open. As you mentioned, context switching is so important. Absolutely. Right. You're talking to an owner and then a recruiter and then an ATS company and all that. I'm like, I can't, you know, as you said, your head's spinning. Yeah. Right. Cause all that context switching takes up so much energy. So that's where like having that plan, like what do you do well, sticking with the process, like having those boundaries. Right. I think it, recruiters is just, uh, I hear so often there's no, well, why do I need that? Or why don't like, you know, I'll just kind of work with anything. It's like, owners and decision makers that are willing to kind of hand over that check like they don't want to work with people that are kind of just do whatever and like you're not trustworthy like it doesn't it doesn't build that sense of trust and that like loyalty that these recruiters are asking that they they're saying they want right with i want perfect clients a rec center clothes i'm like well what are you doing to get those reps right and it's not just finding a candidate it's so many other pieces of the puzzle Right, that you have to look at like yourself, like what am I doing? Am I doing what I need to do to earn that type of clients and earn those types of recs? And a lot of times, maybe they just got lucky with one client that was great, but they don't actually know how to build the system or understand what worked from that to kind of to build off. Yeah, of. yeah. I, I, and and I would say, um, you know, a couple two other pieces of advice in this conversation we're having is if you have a system that's working really really well but then suddenly you have a bad week or a bad month, don't change your system. Don't think you need to start working eight hours a day, you know, a week again, like do what's working. It'll catch up if you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, something I didn't follow up on earlier, as I mentioned, I used to talk to anybody, all the candidates, um, you know, yeah. I, I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn and I probably get 20 to 25 candidates every day that reach out that say, Hey, can you help me? And I used to say yes. Well, during COVID, you'll read in the book, I said yes, because I didn't have a job. Um, you know, I needed to do <laughs> something. I couldn't just sit here. Um, and so what I do is I say, I look at the profile. I look to see if I think they have something for me. I ask them a few simple questions. What sort of comp are you looking for? That type of thing. 
Um, amazingly, some people get angry that I'm asking because they just want to talk. Um, but I let them know, like, my time's valuable. I only have so much time in the day. I don't have something for you today. Here's my website. Here's the job descriptions. I update it daily. If you notice there's something that comes up that you're qualified for, raise your hand, let me know. And when they raise their hand, then That's I it. question them via email to see if it works. If it works, I talk to them. If not, why waste their time by talking to them when I don't have something to help them with? Uh, this is where at the 40-minute mark, there's a lot of people here that need to book the 40-minute mark and listen to it over and over and over again. Because it's the posting on LinkedIn, it's filtering through the inbox. This is a cla- the lesson on how to not overpromise to candidates, which is a classic problem. And this is where recruiters typically bog down most of their time from what I see. And whenever I have to audit a recruiter or an agency's time, this is what I see as the biggest problem is a bunch of wasted out of the call. It's they, I call them nonprofit recruiters because they're just giving their time away for, for it's just charity. Because you're talking to a bunch of candidates that you know don't want to be helped, aren't acting like they're going to be helped, aren't acting like they're employable, or maybe they are, but you don't have anything available. So the ones that are good are feeling like their time is being wasted, but because but maybe you're trying to hit your phone screen number. So it's like there's just that disconnect there, right? So like filter that's through it. the inbox. That's what I'm hearing. You know, have them check in with you. Put the ball in their court. Not take the ownership. I'll reach out if I have something. No, 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 no. Have them reach out. That's a way to filter who's actually interested, who's actually yeah. looking, right, and who's serious. It's a great filtering don't, system. Don't promise something you can't deliver. If I tell candidates I'll reach out to you when yeah. something opens up, I come on. I I'm I literally have over 20,000 connections, and of those 20,000, I've yeah. spoke with probably 15,000 of them. I don't – I'm not going to remember <laughs> that. Like, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I don't either. Uh, I'm not thinking about it, but coffee was involved. That's all I know. It's, it's so like, that's, it's such a, it's just such an important point. uh, It's so key, especially once you build up the outreach system and the content system on LinkedIn. That's typically the problem I get that people, well, I have too many people in my inbox. Okay. Like, like, let's, you know, like I didn't know that was going to be a problem, but what we could, let's work through it. And a lot of the time I just have to train them. Like all you have to do is like, Hey, what are you looking for? What's the comp? Not, nothing right now. Or actually this makes a ton of sense for us to talk about like, what's your number? Like let's go on the calendar or it doesn't. But as you said, here's our site. We update the jobs, like keep us posted. Like, let me know. Always happy to hop in. But then even then you have the form they have to fill out before mm-hmm. a call. Right. And so like that extra step. And I know we've incorporated that. I mean, I know, you know, Lauren had that and, and we've done stuff and we've, you know, working with you. That's been great to have those forms because it just allows for so much speed and everyone's just happy yeah. in a sense. But I think there is just like I have to just be on the phones. As you said, productivity or activity isn't necessarily productivity. Um, and those are some like really quick fixes yeah, it, it, to make. It, yeah, You're talking about posting on LinkedIn and is it cool if I jump in and touch on that? Yeah. Oh, that that was going to be my next my next so, question. Yeah. So I've I'm a I'm a big a believer and fan of A/B testing, like everything. I mean, I test like my wife calls it anal, but I can tell you everything about everything about everything that's happening in my business down to like a small percentage, because it's important for me to know that. And yeah, uh, I have this in my book. It's called Ocean to Pond. I don't know if you got there yet, 
Um, but basically, so several years ago, I had 2,000 LinkedIn connections. And then I'm like, I got to get my connections up. So I got up to about 8,000. And then I started posting all kinds of cool, fun, silly stuff. And I was posting things for candidates. I wanted candidates to see this. And then my inbox was blowing up from candidates that wanted to talk to me about jobs. And I could, I, it, all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, well, I'm talking to them. I'm telling them they should talk to me. And so I did a couple things. Right. And one thing I did is I cleaned out three quarters of my, my inbox of, on LinkedIn. So I got down to about 1,500 people because most of the people I had in there were not people that I can help or who can help me. They were not SaaS founders. They were not SaaS salespeople. A used car salesperson from Cedar Rapids, yeah. Iowa, we can't, there's nothing we can do to each other other than screw up each other's algorithm by looking at something that we're posting. So <laughs> yeah. what I did is I got yeah. rid of the ocean and I built a really small pond and I stocked that with over 20,000 of the people that, of the fish that I want to go fishing for in a very, very, very small pond. So that's one thing. Yep. Then I changed my messaging. My messaging isn't designed for candidates anymore. Candidates love my content, but that's not who I'm building it for. I'm building the, the content for my clients. I want the, my clients that's to weekend, see yeah. the content. Um, I don't recommend this. Is probably going to go. I don't. This you probably have to bleep this part out. I don't recommend posting jobs on LinkedIn and saying, we have this new opening, reach out to me because who's going to reach out to you? Like, who are the people, do you want somebody who had, not that there's anything wrong with somebody who's been out of work for six months, I'm not saying that, but do you want somebody who's desperate, who has applied for 30 jobs and can't get one? Or do you want to talk to somebody who's passive, who's crushing it at their company right now, but there might be something going on in that company where you can pull them away. And so I'm posting content specific for clients. Candidates still reach out all the time. But the cool thing is, you know this, I do a post every day, sometimes two. Um, I don't care what time of the day. I haven't figured LinkedIn's algorithm out. I've had posts where I've got 500,000 views and I've gotten posts where I've had, you know, 50 views. The big thing that I'm finding out is I every week I talk to a candidate and I'm screening them and I found them and they're like, dude, I love your content, man. I've been following you for years. And so it, that's why I'm talking to you and not other recruiters who reach out to me because I know who you are. And yeah. I get at least two clients a month that reach out to me and they're like, hey, Travis, I've been following you for a while. I've never commented on any of your posts. Something resonated with me yesterday. Can we have a conversation? And I've never, I, I'm not connected with them. I've never talked to them but they've seen something and it's the same thing on TV advertising, right? If, if you have a Coca-Cola commercial one time, people won't remember it. But if you keep seeing it over and over and over when you're thirsty, you know what to get. I'm, I don't drink Coca-Cola. That was just an yeah. example. Um, yeah. Coca-Cola, McDonald's jingle, like it, it all, it's such an important point, right? Like there's that consistency. That's what I always tell people. Content should be a sales touch point. It's not just like, a, hey, here's our cool logo and design. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Like, it's what are your, what's your take on recruiting? How, because you're trying to stand apart from the tens of thousands of agencies that are now all pitching their 30 MPCs, most placeable candidate, or they've all learned about automation. And so now they're outsourced to automation to a company that has no idea about recruiting. And 
hitting with the same script and the same terrible messaging yeah. and all that. And if that's you, we could talk, we could fix that, you know, reach out to me. Uh, but like, that's, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the opportunity, I think maybe it's just fear sometimes or not knowing what to say, but like when I read your posts and I tell people like, you know, look at Travis's content because it's just, you're just sharing what's going on in the world. And then your excuse me, in your I'm world, just telling the story. you're just sharing the stories and that's interesting enough. Yeah. The, the pitch isn't, Hey, I'm the best recruiting company out here. You need to talk to me because of this, but it is, but it's yeah. not saying that the, it's a story around right. the thing yeah. that happened and how it came together versus I'm awesome. I'm great. Talk to me. Um, which I do that. Like, yeah, we'll save you time and money. Yeah. We care more than other people. Like all that's like, okay. Yep. Yep. You and every other agency. Um, be aware so. of vanity metrics. I fell into that. Just be aware. It doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter if you have 500,000 views or five views. It, and it doesn't matter if there's only a hundred views and nobody comments and nobody likes it still could be that one person that you want to see that content who is your ICP and that could yep. do it. You know, I, I'll, I'll give a really solid example. Two, three months ago, I was talking to a potential client and it was a referral. And at the end of the call, one of the co-founders said, Hey, Travis, can you do me a favor? Can you let us know if we're going to be one of your stories on LinkedIn before you make us one of your stories? And I, I said, what, what do you mean? He said, oh, we, we crack up over your content all the time, man. We've been following you for a bit. Uh, but sometimes you throw yeah. these guys under the bus, man. Don't let that be us. And it was, it was like an aha moment that like they're paying attention. And I had never met them before. And it's not only paying attention, but imagine how much better of a client they're going to be going into mm -hmm. the engagement. Right. Like, you know, they don't want to be, it's like, all right, well then, you know, take the coaching, follow the process and we won't have that problem. Right. And when they're coming to you, they're looking at you as the authority and you have the positioning and the frame and all those things that 99% of agencies don't have before a call, that first call. And you're doing that. You're just posting into the ether, right? You have the right connections, the content that is relevant to those connections. So they're coming to you. So you're skipping those like 10, like you don't have to do those 10 calls to one-on-one -on -one and beg one person. It's one post going out to thousands of people that are like, you know, that are similar in the same space. Like that's, yeah. that's the game changer. That's quote unquote, the cheat code that, I mean, I try to preach over and over and over to people and I think you're, you're living it and you're the example of what happens if you have a dialed in process. Plus you know how to market yourself as an agency. Like, the world is your oyster. And, and I mean, there's more to it. It seems like, you know, a lot of people are like, man, it, it seems easy. It's not, you know, part of the thing that I've been successful in doing is asking some of my top partnerships if I can help them by being involved in their, um, their webinars, their podcasts, things like that. And so I yeah. get an opportunity to be in the training library of a lot of my top partners by webcast that I'm doing. And it helps them and it helps their clients, but also it's my business card. It's like the book you're holding there. There's my business card. Yeah, there it is. That's right side up this time. The... Oh, man. Oh, it's right side up <laughs> this time? Did I have it backwards last That's time? That's okay. Yeah. Let's make sure, make sure I have it right. Uh, how I, I, We got to cover this before we wind down. How do you fire a client? 
Yeah. Or when and when how. And how. So I, I think, you know, there's when the warning signs are there and I'll give you some good warning signs. We've all been there. Everything's going smooth. And then suddenly they ghost you. They have four candidates in front of you and you don't hear from them in four or five days or they become abusive or they'll say, I don't like any of these candidates, but they won't tell you why. Whatever the thing is, I try to coach them. Um, I do my best to coach them. And I also understand people have bad days. Maybe they stubbed their toe, spilled coffee on themselves, got in a fight this morning, whatever. So I know people are going through things, but if it's consistent, then I will just tell them, you know, I don't know that this relationship's working out. I want to help you, but you know, I maybe am not patient enough to work with you. I, I need to go a little bit faster. Um, so I just want to know if we should make some changes or if you'd like me to let you out of the exclusive agreement, maybe I can suggest someone else who maybe can work with you better. And then yeah. they, they argue with me and they don't want me to fire them. And then they start changing their ways. But if they won't change their ways, then there's like, I love, I get to do this every day. I wake up and I get to do this. I don't have to do this. But when you work with those shitty clients, yeah. you have to do it. And they're not paying you ahead yeah. of time. So right. you're like, you're not getting paid to be abused, which is, which is a terrible thing. So you don't want to do that. Is, does that help? It, it's, a, oh, it's great. It's a terrific, you know, understanding of the different mindset that you have or that you can, that you allow, right? You're allowing that behavior and clients will give you every reason though. There'll be different clients that are just going to one reason after another. And that's the hard part is like figuring out how to, as you said, the communication and how to phrase that. I think the way you approach it, you always put the ball back in their court. That's what I'm always telling mm -hmm. recruiters. Like you're just a matchmaker. You're not the company that needs the person. You're not the candidate that's going to be working there day to day. Like you remove the emotion from you and be like, Hey, it's, What's that? Yeah. It's like, Hey, you're like, this is the candidate. You're like looking bad in front of candidates. Right. So I can't have that because I'm talking to them and hyping you up the way we talked about it. And you're not coming through. That makes me look bad. It makes you look bad. This is going to be like, no one's going to accept an offer, which means I'm not going to get paid right on the other end. And like, so I don't, I can't be associated with that. It's not worth my time. As I always say, like, I'm not going to work for free. Yeah. So like you, you have to, you just have to have that. I think that framework you gave is going to be super helpful for people listening that maybe aren't sure how to approach it, or maybe haven't approached it the way they wanted to before. That's the way to do it, right? You just have to bring it up and recruiting is just a, a bunch of tough conversations to get to like the really yes. fun stuff. And then more tough conversations happen and then it gets fun again and all that. And it's just a, you know, it, it's the whole up and down. And as you said, you get to do this. And if you have that mindset, well, then it makes it worth yeah. it, but there's still tough days and, and all that, all that well, stuff. We all have so, tough days. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah. Whatever it happens, you know, focus on what you control yeah. and push the rest out of the way, right? What you think about, you bring about and yeah. life is typically a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get what you expect, right? So if you, you know, uh, we had a hiccup, whatever. It's kind of like driving down the road and you have to take a detour. You'll still get there. Maybe you want to go this yeah. way, but you got to go this way a little bit. No big deal. Yeah, um, absolutely. One of the things, yeah, miss a turn here One of there. the things about yeah. speaking with clients, I, I know you didn't bring this up, but I, I get this all the time. I'm talking to recruiters and so are you. And I ask them to give me their pitch. They're like, I can't close clients and I can't figure out why. And I hear their pitch. And the problem is it's a pitch. Um, yeah. my, yes. I don't have a pitch. 
I get them on the phone. We do simple introductions. I give them my breakdown. As, as you heard, it's, it's one sentence, right? I help, I help growing SaaS growing SaaS organizations hire the top 5% of salespeople fast. Here's a little bit about my background and my history and um, letting them know why they would want to talk to me. And then I'm like, tell me about you. Cool. Where do you need help? What do you need help on? And we spend 35 minutes, never like the first 35 minutes, unless they bring it up. I don't tell them my fees. I don't tell them that I can help them yet. I'm listening. I'm taking notes. I'm asking questions. And I almost never even say, okay, would you like to hear how I work? Like I wait for them at the very, very end. I'm waiting for them to say how much. And if they don't, then I say, well, it's been awesome talking to you. Uh, what would next steps look like? And then they're baffled that I'm not trying to close them. And usually then they'll say, well, how much is it? Right. And so I wait till they ask me, I don't like, because I don't want to tell them pricing up front. What if I don't want to work with them? Plus, that's a terrible way to close. Like you just have a conversation, be the expert, tell them how you can help them. And the other key thing, maybe they don't need you yet. Maybe they think they need you, but they don't. And so a client, a potential client that I talked to last week, it's they're not ready to hire yet. They shouldn't hire yet. It's a founder led organization. They need a fractional VP to go in and help them build stuff out. So I said, you don't need me yet, but let me introduce you to somebody that can help you out. And they were baffled, like, what? But you know what? Sometime this year, they'll come back because they will need me then and they'll remember that I didn't try to close them when I should have tried to close them. It's it's so fast. I had a message like that today, actually. Very similar. It's interesting you, you say that is, I talked to someone a year ago that I showed them some of the, you know, the LinkedIn stuff, some automation stuff, content, what you can do there. And, but I could tell he wanted to try it on his own. I was like, dude, go, go try it on your own. Come back to me. Let, let me know how it is. You know, like wasn't ready to, you know, for coaching messaged me this morning. Hey, I just billed $107,000 last week. I've had my best week ever. He's like, I just hired three people. I want you to train all of them. I'm like, okay, like, we could talk about that. And I was like, but I was just so pumped for him. Yeah. Like, how cool is that to have a couple phone calls last year? You know, show, like you, you, you point someone in the right direction. You're like, hey, you don't need me yet. You know, and it, it's like, it's like I could tell, like, you're the type, like, you want to figure this out. Like, go for it. Like, go for it. Here you go. And I think he was kind of blown away last year. You know, I kept, you know, talking to him, checking in on him and not, you know, but not trying to pitch. And then you get that message and like, sure enough, like, there it goes. Right. And it's like, number one, it's super cool story. He's like trying to figure out how to write me a testimonial nice. <laughs> and, and all that. I'm like, great. Like, I didn't see that coming. Like, that, that's awesome. But like, it's just, it's fun. As you said, if you kind of have the purpose and the mission and you just give and give and give and probably sometimes more than we should. And you know, it, that's okay. okay. Uh, you know, I think also at the same time, I think you probably agree. You and I have probably been given more than we ever thought we would ever get. So it's kind of just like for us, it's kind of paying it, yeah. you know, kind of the paying it back, paying it forward. And it's just, I love hearing stories like that. That client will definitely come back to you because people, there's not enough of that in this world where people, you know, you take yourself seriously and the business seriously, but not too seriously and have fun, have a process, have boundaries. And you're able to give like that. People don't get that experience often. They're not going to forget you when they yeah. do. And especially if you're posting out on content in LinkedIn and you're putting yourself out there, a lot of those types are a little bit different behind the scenes. So if you can be congruent with how you're posting and how you are behind the scenes, I mean, that's, it's a recipe 
for success, yeah. you know, and it's a recipe, I would say for fulfillment too. So, you know, fulfilling life. I agree. You, you, um, you also mentioned clients giving you, they, they asked how they could give you a referral. If you take a look at my website, you'll notice I have one of my tabs is featured clients. And so these are, these are clients, these aren't all of my clients, but these are clients that I've spoke with that I've placed people with that I've said, can I put your logo on my website? And would you be willing to give me a referral if somebody asks? And so the interesting thing is you'd be shocked how many clients I'm talking to. And they're like, why are you better? Why should we talk to you? You know, you get, you know, the story. And I literally just pull this, I just pull this up and I say, do you know any of these people? And they do because I'm working in the same circles, um, yeah. you know, and, and so that like literally right there. And I can't tell you how often somebody will call up and say, Hey, so-and-so just reached out to me um, and asked if I would recommend you. And I gave you a thumbs up. So they should be reaching out to you soon. Happens all the time. Just by putting that up on the website. That's amazing. It's just such a, it's a, it's a long-term vision, right? I said reverse engineering, like the business that you want, how you want to operate. And it, it just, it makes it so fun. And if people aren't used to it at first, I think that's, you said, you can sometimes get looks like, what? Like you really operate like this way in like a legitimate way. It's like, yeah, like it's possible. Right. And it's nice. And it kind of, it can become infectious for the right, with the right people. And, you know, sometimes people that aren't a fit or aren't meant to be, they're going to do it kind of their own way. And it has a way of filtering them out yeah. too, which is really nice. So, um, a couple one one or two last things before we, we wind up. I gotta we gotta at least get one crazy story recruiting story from you because you got a million. Wow, there's so many. Um, I know one that really stands out, Clark. The just. It's you know people say what's the craziest thing that's ever happened in your business, and I say I. I it hasn't happened yet because every time there's the craziest thing, the new thing happens tomorrow. Um, so one candidate reached out to me. She said she saw one of my posts. She went to my website. She found out a role that would be perfect for her. She reached out to me. I sent her the Calendly link. She booked a meeting. All good. I called her. She hung up on me. I called her back. And she yelled at me and said, stop harassing me. And, and I said, hold, hold on, hold on. Like, literally, here's what just happened. You reached out to me, you booked. She said, this is a scam. And she hung up on me. So that, to start with, that's crazy. But what's worse yes. is an hour later, she emailed, texted, and left a voicemail. And she was pissed off that I didn't hold our meeting. Like, I think I dodged a bullet. I'm sure my client dodged a bullet, but I don't know what happened there. And it was the same person, the same phone number. So it wasn't somebody different. It was the same voice on the voicemail. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know. That's a couple Bloody Marys for brunch mixed with something else yeah, I, to have that kind of I'll day. Be, I, I don't know what's going on you there. You know what I did? Yeah. I, instead of getting frustrated, I'm like, there is a post right there. There's a post. <laughs> that's it. Let's turn that. Let's turn that some content. You know, let's generate some revenue from that. But yeah, because that's wow. People are something, man. People are something. Yeah, but who knows? Um, she, you know, she maybe right. had a bad day. I, it, it could be. It could be. I said, just you know, waves in the ocean, one after another. You just, you know, roll it off. You know, roll off your shoulder. Use it as some content. It's a good funnel. Been, it's a good outlet. I've done that as well. That might have yeah. been on four twenty. That could be what happened also. 
Yeah, that's my birthday. So yeah, crazy <laughs> stuff happens on that on that day. But well, one last thing. So what? I guess what inspired you to write the book? Yeah, good question. You know, I've one I've always wanted to write a book, um, and I started about five yeah. years ago and just couldn't get the momentum. Um, what inspired me yeah. is what happened during COVID. So you know, you've read this the beginning in there, but um, in February yeah. I had my best, my record month, best month ever. Um, you know, in my recruiting business and also the company that I was a VP of sales with, we had a record month. So like things were going really, really well. Things were rocking. I was at the point where I was about to tell those guys, I can't work for you anymore. Like, I, I'm sorry. I had that. I had their team going. I had everything rocking, but I literally was losing. I, I was making four times as much doing this as a side hustle than I was as a VP of sales. And so the way the book came in is things were going great and then they weren't. COVID hit, I had no clients and I no longer had a VP of sales job because they were not a COVID friendly company. So I went from the best thing ever to being unemployed, not having a job and not having any clients because the world shut down and everybody shut down. And so it's kind of about how did I figure my new business model out? How did I recreate it? And how did I turn it into something that it is today where I'm working less hours, less stress. Um, my blood pressures went down. I, I had a lot of, lot, we could go into that. Um, it happens when you're working all the time and you get up and work and work and work. And so the, the story is about how did I go from Silicon Valley SaaS startups to a seven figure recruiting agency, but it's not like a do this, do this, do this, do this. It's more of storytelling along the way of what happened um, with some emotion in there, with some laughs in there also. Um, you know, and, and also there's a playbook for everybody on here. I literally am giving you the playbook of which client should you bring on, which client should you not bring on. Like all of the oh, it's things, so good. it's all the yeah. things are in there. Um, but that was my inspiration for the book. You know, was um, it's written for two groups. Number one, it's written for SaaS startup founders intentionally, but it's also written for recruiters yeah. because I know so many recruiters out there are struggling. They're working their asses off and they're not getting the results. When in all reality, I wake up at four. I, by the way, you know this. I don't get on the computer. So we have a routine and we follow it. I don't care what's happening. And we get up, we hang out. We have breakfast and coffee. We play cards every day. We work out. We go walk if we can walk, unless there's a blizzard or hail or whatever, which we're in Denver. We get that like every day. Um, yeah. We literally don't turn our computers on until probably three hours after we've, we're awake. We're doing the things we need to do to take care of us before we dive into it so then we can go hard. Um, another thing yeah. in the book, Clark, is I've – I've had to reinvent the business many, many times because of the changing environment. And one day we had this aha moment and I wanted to share this with everybody because I don't think it's just, it's really anybody who owns a business. We have this habit of doing everything all the time. And so I was overwhelmed. I was just like, I, I high blood pressure, all kinds of things stressed relationships, all of this stuff. 
And one day, Angie, my wife, and I sat down and we did this whiteboard exercise that took almost all day. Super simple, very, very simple. And it was, let's write down every single thing that I do, everything. And you'd think that's easy. You'd be amazed how many things I did. You guys know. So we wrote down every single thing. And then um, we wrote next to them a plus. And if it's a plus, that means this is mission critical. If that thing doesn't happen, the business will fail. Um, the next thing we did is we put um, a question mark. And the question mark is, is this important for the business or not? And then the, the third category is, if this doesn't get done right away, is that okay? Right? And so we broke them into those. Then once we broke them into those, I broke into what are the things I'm the best at and the worst at? What are the things that I love doing and the things that I don't love doing? And yeah. this took a lot of iterations and pretty much soon I broke it down to here's what has to happen to make the business go. Here's what I love doing and here's what I'm great doing. Here's a whole bunch of shit that we don't need to do at all. Let's get rid of that. We shouldn't be doing it anyway. And here's the things my chief of staff or my partners can take on. So today I do the things that I'm good at and that I enjoy. I still do some things I don't enjoy, right? We all do. But for the most part, my tasks are designed to be mission critical for the business. If it's not mission critical, if I'm not that good at it, and if I don't like it, I'm not doing it. Somebody else is doing it. Um, you yeah. know, in, and I recommend if people don't have other people working in their company, go hire an EA that can do all these things. Like literally Angie takes care of my calendar. She takes care of my emails. She takes care of billing. She takes care of taxes, all those things that I really don't want to do. Matter of fact, she posts out all of my link. I gave her my LinkedIn contact. She puts it on Canva and posts out three weeks ahead of time. I'm like, I don't even post on LinkedIn. Although it's important, That's I it. just write out the content. And what I do is I don't do that daily. I block off twice a week. I block off two hours and I just go and I just do it. And then I give it to her and I'm done. So you're the, the, the living digital recruiter. That's for sure. Uh, you know, emphasize both, both, yes. both aspects. So it, it's really cool. I love that you saw the finish line with the book and got it done and got it published. That's I'm so cool. About it. Uh, on top of everything else that you're doing. Yeah, you should be, you should be proud. And it's cool. And, you know, Travis isn't kidding. There is a playbook that if you follow to the T, a T as a recruiter, you will get better. You will have a better process. You will get better clients. You will train better clients. I highly recommend it. It's well worth it. Um, it's just there's not much out there that reads this way in the recruiting industry, right? It took me months to figure out what actually was going on in recruiting, and Travis has laid it all out. And if you, you know, there's processes there, and it's just putting in the work. And uh, so I, I, I love it. So, Travis, I think the best way to find you probably LinkedIn and now Amazon, right? You of all people. Yeah. The title of the book, you know, that's one business card. I think LinkedIn's the other, right? It is. It's it's such a great business card that it's been out since the first, and I already gained a um, somewhere between thirty to forty thousand dollar client um, because of the book. Literally, they had it narrowed down to me and one other person, and I just shot them the link so they could buy the Kindle version. It's only a three hour read, guys. It's not a long read. Um, 
the next yeah. day he said, send me the contract. So like, it's already paid for itself. I love it. I love it. Well, we'll have the, uh, we'll have the link to the book in the episode section and wherever we post this everywhere. So, you know, make sure to, you know, subscribe, leave a review, go buy Travis's book, all that good stuff. If you want to talk to Travis, reach out to him directly on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Travis, thanks yeah, for being here. It's, it's awesome. It, it's it's always fun. great talking to you, Clark. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Digital recruiter yeah. podcast. Um, We'll, uh, you know, leave a review, subscribe, all that good stuff that you got to do on social media nowadays. uh, And we'll catch you next time. See you guys.